spiritual condition. But nothing could be further from the truth. Being a disciple is often about being green, inexperienced. It's messy and marked with confusion, and it's hard and riddled with failure. Does that describe you here today? We're going to take a moment. Um, we're going to come and worship yet again. And uh, I just want you to come to the Lord this morning. Jerry, had you sit down. I'm going to have you stand back up, all right? Let, let's rise. And uh, I just want to invite you to, to, to pray this morning, uh, to sing, to worship, and to come to Jesus because he invites each and every one of you to be his disciple. Last week, we learned a new song that I, I brought to you as a, as a time to recognize the presence of God. And I'd invite you to do this again. We could bring the song back again just as another place to encourage the acknowledgement of God's presence. He's here. It's intention us for us to acknowledge his presence, welcome him here to change us and move us. Disciples, it's week three of your story, Matthew chapter 5 through 7. It says, now when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and he sat down. And his disciples came to him and he began to teach them saying, blessed are you who are broke and bankrupt in your spiritual condition. For yours is the kingdom of heaven. And for those of you right now who are mourning and weeping and crying, you know what? Blessed are you too because you will be comforted. And for those of you who are meek and humble and downtrodden, blessed are you for you will inherit the earth. And blessed are you who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for you will be filled. And those of you who show mercy, you will be shown mercy too. So blessed are you. And blessed are you who are pure in heart, for you will see God. And blessed are you who are peacemakers, for you will be called sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness. You know why? Because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil things about you because of me. When that happens, rejoice and be glad, for I tell you, great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, now you are the salt of the earth. 
But, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? That's just absolutely ridiculous, isn't it? Do you, do you know what it's good for? The kitty litter box. You're the light of the world. And a city on a hill cannot be hidden. And, and people don't light a lamp and then put it under a bowl or a basket. No, they put it on a stand so that it gives its light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father who is in heaven. Now do not think that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. I have not come to abolish them. I have come to fulfill. For until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything comes about. Anyone who loosens one of the least of these commands and teaches another to do the same, I tell you, that one will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who practices and teaches these commands, that one will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, you've heard it said, right? To the people long ago, you shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. Well, I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother, Raka, is answerable to the Sanhedrin. But if you say to your brother, you fool, you are in the danger of the fires of hell. So, if you're standing there in front of the altar and presenting your gift to God, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to your brother. Go! And then come and worship and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you're on the way. Otherwise, he may hand you over to the judge. The judge may hand you over to the officer. And the officer may throw you into prison. I tell you the truth. You won't get out until you have paid the last penny. Now, you have heard it said, do not commit adultery, right? I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery in here. If your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Amen? And if your hand causes you to sin, chop that sucker off. Get rid of it and throw it away because it's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your computer causes you to sin, take a sledgehammer to that baby because you know what? It's better off not having Facebook than going to hell. Now, it's been said. If you divorce your wife 
give her a certificate of divorce. Isn't that noble? But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for marital unfaithfulness makes her the victim of adultery. And anyone who marries that woman becomes an adulteress. Now, you have heard it said, do not break your oaths, but keep the oaths you've made to the Lord. But you know what I tell you? Do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by this earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And don't swear by your head. Don't swear on your life. Can you make one hair white or black? Simply let your yes be yes and your no be no. You know why? Because anything beyond that comes from the evil one. Now, you have heard it said to the people long ago, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. Yeah, baby. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, Turn to him the other also. If someone wants to sue you and take the shirt off your back, give him your coat as well. If someone forces you to go with him one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who asks of you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Now, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be called sons of your Father in heaven. Doesn't God cause his son to rise on both the righteous and the wicked? And doesn't he send rain to benefit both the good and the evil? So be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Be careful, guys, not to do your acts of righteousness before people, to be seen by them. So when you give to the needy, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Do not announce it with trumpets like the hypocrites do in the synagogue and on the street corners. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, again, do not let your right hand know what your left hand is doing so that your giving may be done in secret. And then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you fast, don't go around disfiguring your face and carrying yourself with this woe is me to be seen by men like the hypocrites do. Don't be like them. I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you fast, get your nails done. Get a new dress. Make sure you are looking fine so that people don't know that you're fasting. And then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, 
Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand praying on the street corners and in the synagogues to be seen by men. Do not be like them, but instead go into your room and close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, stop with this. Stop the babbling. Stop carrying on. For the pagans love to do that because they think because they go on and on and on and on that they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. You know why? Because your heavenly Father knows what you need even before you ask him. But when you pray, say this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as you're carrying it out in heaven and give me today what I need. Forgive me my debts as I forgive my debtors. Don't lead me into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. For I tell you, if you forgive men their sins when they sin against you, you will be forgiven. But if you do not forgive men their sins when they sin against you, you won't be. Now, I want to encourage you guys, don't store up for yourselves treasure here on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves can come in and break and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Because I tell you where, you, where, where your treasure is, that which you value, that's where your heart is also. Don't be deceived on this one. You can't serve two masters. You'll either hate the one and love the other or despise the one and be devoted to the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So, don't worry. And I mean it. Stop it right now. Don't worry. Why do you worry about your life? What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more important than this stuff? Isn't life more important than what you make and what you eat and what you wear? I mean, let's look at the birds, for instance. They don't go to work. They don't save or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. If this is how he's going to treat the sparrows of the field, what about you? And look at the lilies of the field. They don't labor or spin. And yet I tell you that not even Solomon or Madison Avenue in all of its splendor looks like one of these. And if this is how God treats the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is raked up and thrown into the fire, how much more will he treat you, O oh you of little faith? So don't worry saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? Because the pagans run after things like these and 
Your heavenly Father, he knows that you need them, but instead seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given unto you as well. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough trouble of its own, doesn't it? Do not judge. Otherwise, you too will be judged. For in the manner in which you judge, you will be judged. And the measure that you use to judge others, that measure will be used to measure you. Why do you look at someone who has a speck of sawdust in their eye and pay no attention to the plank of wood gouging out of your own? How can you say to your brother, come here, let me remove that speck from your eye when you got a hunk of wood hanging out of your own? You hypocrite. First get the hunk of wood out of your own eye and then you'll be able to see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not cast your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn on you and tear you to pieces. So ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open. For to anyone who asks, he will receive, and to he who seeks, he will find, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your kid's to come up to you and says, hey, Dad, hey, Dad, can I have some bread? Give him a stone. I mean, I might, but no. Which of you, if a child's going to come up to you and ask for a fish, is going to give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give to those who ask him? So I tell you, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Enter through the narrow gate. Because wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets. They look really good. I mean, they come to you in sheep's clothing. But inside, they're ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes? Figs from thistles? Likewise, a good tree bears good fruit. A bad tree 
bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Not everyone who comes to me and says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only the ones who do the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will come to me in that day saying, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we drive out demons and perform many miracles? I'll tell them plainly. I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on, a, on, on the rock. The rains came down, the streams came up, the wind came and it buffets and it beats. But the house stands because its foundation is built on the rock. But anyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. The, the rains came down, the streams came up, the winds come and they buffet and they beat. And the house falls with a great crash. Now when the people heard Jesus say all these things, they were amazed at his teachings because he taught them as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Jesus says some pretty amazing things, doesn't he? It ain't much good if you don't do it. It's pretty impressive watching someone memorize the Sermon on the Mount and deliver it, isn't it? You know what's more impressive? Doing it. How's your doing it? Jesus comes to each of us and invites us to be his disciples. And he breathes into us the sweetest, most profound gospel. Blessed are you who are broken and bankrupt, empty with nothing to offer, downtrodden and beaten and weeping and hurt. And he says, yours is the kingdom of heaven. And then he turns around and he calls us to like stratosphere. Doesn't he? How's your doing? How's your living towards the stratosphere? We're going to come into a time of, of communion here today. And if you actually have ears to hear, as Jesus said, I am certain that something that Jesus has said today has cut you, has impacted you, has convicted you. Jesus says to you, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And he invites you today, come, follow me. Jerry's going to come forward now. I want to invite you to rise. 
And I'd just like you to come into a time of prayer with me today. That, port, that, that, that point that convicted you, tell Jesus. The point where you're hearing but not practicing, bring it to Jesus. That part where you fail again and again and again. In your heart, just bring it to him today. Let's pray. if you're seeking forgiveness a relationship with God a fresh start I want to invite you to say with me the words that open this thing called the Sermon on the Mount together here with me today blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Our Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, broke it, gave it to his disciples and said, take and eat. This is my body and it's given for you. In the same way, also after supper, he took a cup and he gave thanks and he gave it to them and he said, drink of this, all of you. It's my blood. It's poured out for you for the forgiveness of all of your sins. 
So do this in remembrance of me. Welcome to the table of the Lord. said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is able, is, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fires of hell. Therefore, if you are offering a gift at the altar, and there, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who has taken you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way, or, have, or, your, adver, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will not get one. You will not get out until you have paid your last penny. And may God, who has called you and chosen you and loves you and blesses you and who has offered you the kingdom despite the fact you are broken and bankrupt and empty, may you grab onto that and never let go. May you follow him. Amen. Hey, guys, you can have a seat. Good worshiping with you today. And uh, hey, listen, in just a moment here, ushers are going to come forward to receive the offering and also to uh, uh, collect one of those connection cards. Just want to encourage each and every one of you and ask you, fill one of those cards out right now. Um, you can flip it over to the back if you have no idea what I'm talking about. See the card right here? Flip it onto the back, and you see some faith challenges that we're going to be encouraging you to. Um, many people have already began this, 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 this progression we have of reading the entire New Testament in 40 weeks. On your chair should be a bookmark that gives you a reading plan. I think we have about 130 people now doing the, the challenge, and if you haven't yet begun it, or if you've gotten off track, today is week three, Sunday, Matthew chapter 6, 1 to 18. Begin today, take the challenge, check the card, and we'll be in contact with you. Likewise, you'll see on the back some other challenges as well. We'd love to get in contact you with, with you about those. You can just drop these in the bucket when they come by. Make sense? All right, ushers, if you'd like to do that now, that'd be great. While they're coming forward, I would... Uh, like to introduce you to someone. I'm really excited for something that we're going to be doing here at Fellowship of Faith these next um, 40 weeks together. There's many people who have been taking these, these New Testament reading challenges, these, these going deeper challenges, and these memory challenges that you just saw on the back of the card. And, and in talking to them, it's been really cool for me to see the stories that they have, things that are happening to them, what, what God is showing them. And and so what we have for you today and in the upcoming weeks is what we're just calling God of My Life Stories. People who are going to share with you briefly something that is, is, is going on or that God is showing them as a result of doing this. So I would like to introduce you to Arthur O'Dell. He is coming forward today. Could you give him a hand for me, please? He is just going to tell you briefly about his experience with reading the New Testament. Take it away, sir. 
can everybody hear me? Yeah, all right, that's that's good. Um, bear with me. I, I can I can talk about the Bible for hours on end and never stop. But since I'm actually going to be talking about myself, this is going to take a little pulling because I don't talk about myself to anyone. Um, no, I. We, we, we're doing this plan, this new 40 New Testament passages. It's going to be the, over most of the next year, right? And, and we have the challenge to read the New Testament. And I think we, we tend to assume, everybody assumes, everybody pays lip service to the importance of reading the Bible, right? But it's something that for, for a lot of people is actually a challenge to do on a regular basis. I know there are even times, even though I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Bible nerd, I still have times where I put it on my to-do list for tomorrow, right? Which is that to-do list that you never get to because when you wake up on Monday morning, it's today again, it's not tomorrow. So I'm not going to get to the to-do list, you know. Um, but this is something that to me is of fundamental importance and I can I can stand up here and I can honestly honestly say that if I hadn't spent time regularly reading the Bible as I was growing up I would not be here right now I would not be a Christian today um, and I, I wanted to give a, a, a tell you a short story illustration that uh, involves myself and a friend of mine that I had gotten to know a few years ago ago uh, we worked together his name is Scott and uh, what was interesting is Scott and I were very very similar we had we were similar ages we worked the same job we had the same level of education um, and the polite way of saying it is we shared a lot of the same interests um, now I want to expand on that just a little bit because the interests that we shared are things that for many people that are Christians are things that are somewhat uncomfortable to talk about and don't want to mention or don't want to admit to. Um, we like the same type of music. But when I say we like the same type of music, that was not, you know, talking about Katy Perry or Britney Spears, right? Um, we both listen to heavy metal and even the more extreme types of heavy metal, the stuff that, you know, Satan gets mentioned regularly and is sometimes called death metal. Yes, I admit this in front of you. Thanks. See, this is why I don't like talking about myself because you're not supposed to know this part, right? You know, I don't hide it, but I don't advertise it. Um, uh, those of you that know me really well know that one of my great passions is watching horror movies, right? I, I own over 300 of them, and I go out of my way to watch uh, the craziest and the, the, the screwiest and the most demented, weird things people have ever watched in their life, right? Um, so these are the things, these are the types of interests that Scott and I bonded over, right? Um, and the reason why I bring this up is because while there was all these similarities, there was one big difference between the two of us, and that's, uh, I'm, I, well, I am a Christian. Uh, Scott, on the other hand, is what the, the technical term would be neo-pagan. Um, he would prefer to himself as a Wiccan, but... For those of you that aren't familiar with Wicca, there are denominations in Wicca as well as there are in Christianity, just to be confusing. Um, but he was a pagan, and as we got to know each other better, there came a point where he, he came to me and he said, I don't understand how you can call yourself a Christian and like these things that we both like. And 
the other, the other, you know, because the similarities went beyond the interest. Because not only uh, same age, same education, but uh, Scott had also grown up in the church. Uh, he actually was a minister's son, so he grew up going to Sunday school, going to having religious education, going to church every Sunday, going to youth group, uh, being forced to listen to Christian music while growing up, even though we both hated it, um, you know, because we wanted to listen to the heavy stuff instead. So, but these interests that he and I shared had led him away from being a Christian into worshiping pagan gods. I mean, that's, it's a classic textbook example of, what, of opening yourself to the influence of Satan in your life and having him lead you away from the church. And what was interesting to me was looking at all the similarities, but the key difference. And the key difference is even though we had both grown up in the church, we had both been uh, subject to Christian education and being surrounded by people in the church uh, that whole time growing up, the biggest difference between he and I is this. This is the only thing that Satan cannot overcome. All right, he can overcome everything else. Um, the church is composed of people. And guess what? Raise your hand if uh, you've never had a close friend or a family member never let you down sometime in your life. Right? People fail. Uh, the church fails constantly. Right? We're, we're, we're talking today, the sermon today is about doing what we're supposed to be doing because we are listening to the word. Well, how many of us are actually going to go and do that perfectly this entire week? Right? We don't. We don't live perfect lives. And we fail, right? The one thing that, that, that everything that we do and everything that we say and everything that we sing is rooted in is the Word. And while we need to do in practice, it's also it's important to keep listening to God. Because if you're only coming and listening to God for one hour on Sunday morning, by the time it gets to be Sunday afternoon, you're going to start listening to all the other stuff that's going on in your life instead. So I just wanted to stress, take this opportunity to use this challenge that we're doing as a church together as a, as a way to bring this into your life on a daily basis. You know, make it, make it a discipline if you don't have it already. Because it's, this is the, this, it's hearing God and hearing his promise. And that's what, that's what generates faith in us. That's, what, that's how the Spirit brings us to him. So, you know, please. That's the importance of that. Um, and, okay. Now for the commercials that brought you this message. Right Here's my shameless plug. Um, for those of you that pay attention to the bulletin and, and read the announcements, next Sunday, right, September 8th, the adult ministries start up again here. So we have Christianity 101 at 9 a.m. and 201 at 10.30 a.m. So 101 begins with our new member workshop, or new member class called NEO for the first four weeks. And again, so if you're interested in becoming a member or interested in becoming baptized, if that doesn't, if, you know, if you're not there yet, that's what this class is for. It runs for four weeks. 
it's also for people that have been here a while that maybe you haven't you know maybe it's been 10 years since you became a member it's an opportunity to, to tap back into who we are as FOF and understanding our visions and values so everybody is welcome to this it's not just for new people um, Christianity 201 is at 1030 and that's the class that I'm going to be leading which is why this I feel like this is a shameless plug so um, but the series we're doing that is called Christianity and and it's about how do we live in the world how do we face these challenges and and face these things that are constantly trying to take our attention away from God and how do we live in that how do we deal with the difficult questions that come out of that and if you want the answer to my question of how I'm able to watch horror movies still today and still call myself a Christian, you need to come to that class. All right. So, thank you. Yeah, Arthur, thank you. Before we break today, for the last two weeks, we've been talking about a memory challenge here. Um, because as Arthur said, reading the Bible is critical to, 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 to that relationship with God and, and breathing faith into our soul. Memorizing it even takes it to another degree. And many of you have stepped forward already um, to say, yeah, sign me up for the memory challenge. Here it is. Ready? The Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, 6, and 7. If I can do it, you can do it. All right? Now, I know some of you are freaking on this, and some of you, like, some of you have like, tuned this out if I said Matthew 5.1, right? But, but what we're going to be doing as a congregation is helping coach you through this, and I want to challenge you because if you've never done this before or if you've tried and failed, it's okay. But I want you to kind of give it a new shot again because there is something powerful about ingesting it. Now, if you've taken the memory challenge already, go to the Welcome Center after worship today. We have books to help you out through this that we've published here at FOF um, to take you through through how to break that up in bite-sized pieces. It has our reading plan included in it. Just go back there and say, yeah, I'm a memory challenge person, and you can grab it. You can also get this in non-like pocket format online if you're interested as well. Cool? All right. With that being said, guys, um, the Sermon on the Mount is such a dense topic. And occasionally here at FOF, we offer special going deeper classes called Christianity 201. And we're just soliciting some interest. Um, is there interest in this Wednesday for one hour from 7 to 8 p.m. having a class to take the Sermon on the Mount and go deeper in it? If there is, and, and, and you will attend. I don't care if you're interested and not going to show up, all right? But if you're interested and will attend, we're just going to kind of play this out by feel right here. Who's going to do it? Okay, we got about three, maybe four or five. Let me uh, field it out at 1030. We will email you this afternoon letting you know um, what, what comes of this, all right? Blessings, guys.